Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org radio.org. Now, here's our show today. Luke chapter 15 is a chapter with three tremendous parables, including one of the best known in the whole Bible, the parable of the prodigal son. When you take these three parables together, they reveal to us the three persons of the Godhead. The Son is seen in the first parable, the Spirit in the second, and the Father in the third, and all three bring us to salvation. Then we come to another parable at the beginning of chapter 16. At first it seems terribly out of place. The story of a steward who threatened with the loss of his position unrighteously deals with his master's assets only to gain his praise. But as we will see today, these parables fit very well together and Bob Danker is with us as we help unravel this perplexing arrangement of uh, the divine revelation. Bob, welcome back to our life study today. Chris, it's a pleasure to be back and I I really do enjoy this perplexing parable here at the beginning of Luke 16. It contains some principles that are a tremendous help to us today. I would say that this is a parable probably that has caused a lot of head-scratching over the uh, ages as people uh, have read it, especially following these three marvelous parables that we had in chapter 15. But the connection is important, I think, to really get it clearly and to understand it in the light that uh, God is unveiling it in Luke. Uh, So let's go back and spend a couple of minutes, if you would, Bob, and review for us the three parables in chapter 15. Yes, Chris, these three parables are truly marvelous. They show us the love of the triune God towards sinners in bringing sinners to salvation. And, uh, of course, as you point out, the first parable is the parable of the shepherd who uh, has a hundred sheep. One of them gets lost. He goes out into the wilderness, and he finds it and brings it back rejoicing. Uh This parable shows how the Son in the divine trinity came to the earth as a wilderness, to find the sinners. And he completed his finding of them on the cross by dying for their redemption. And then he brings them back to the flock Hmm. with rejoicing. This is Christ, the Son. Right. And then the second parable uh, is the parable of a woman who loses a coin. And uh, she sweeps the house and lights a lamp And she finds this lost coin, and she rejoices. And this shows the work of the Spirit based upon the redemption of the Son to seek 
the sinners, not outside of them, but within their heart, within their inner being, right. enlightening them with the word of God and sweeping their inner being uh, of all the dirt to bring them back, to find them, to bring them to salvation. And then the last parable here is a wonderful one concerning the Father in the divine trinity, the parable of which is well known as the parable of the prodigal son. But the actually the stress here is not on the prodigal, but on the love of the Father in receiving this returning one. And these three parables are marvelous, showing us how the three of the divine trinity work together to bring a sinner back to God. And that brings us to chapter 16. And Bob, as we mentioned, it's a perplexing parable. I'm not going to read all of the verses. It's fairly long in the narrative here. I'll try to summarize it briefly. Essentially, what we have is a a rich man with a steward who is the administrator over all of his household goods. And the steward gets accused by some others before the master. And the steward is now in jeopardy of losing his position. In fact, he's about to lose his position. And in this period of time, the little bit of time that he has left, he runs out and contacts several of those people who owe the master money. And he negotiates a reduction of their debt in order to gain their favor so that after he loses his job, he will have made a significant number of friends. So he'll have a place to go and uh, probably a position waiting him. And, Bob, at this point, I would like to read a couple of the verses to because the master's reaction now to this uh, seemingly unrighteous dealing by the steward is very interesting. Verse 8 and 9 say, And the master praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted prudently. For the sons of this age are more prudent in their dealings with their own generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the mammon of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal tabernacles. This is a great mystery, Bob. Uh, But I think as it unfolds today, we'll be all brought into the light as to how uh, this demonstrates something as unrighteous as mammon, as money, can be useful if we handle it prudently. Let's go to Witness Lee. Chapter 16 actually is a continuation of chapter 15. In chapter 15, the full salvation by the divine trinity has been clearly presented. Now, in this section, the Savior told the Pharisees, a parable showing that after we have been saved, we need to serve in his house as a steward. I I believe this parable is uh, more simple than all the other three preceding ones. Yet, there is a uh, puzzling point. That is, he used an uh, unrighteous steward to illustrate the stewards in God's house. Does this mean that he teaches us to be unrighteous? You know what the steward did? He called in all the debtors of his master uh, to change their debt from 100 to 50 and 100 to 80. That was unrighteous. But what was the point? The point is this. The discharged or the fired steward was so prudent. He uh, 
just knew how to take time, how to、uh, take the opportunity to do things at the right time. While he was still in the house, he took that opportunity to do something for others. Then others will do something for him later, and this was his prudence. The Lord didn't teach us to be unrighteous, but surely He taught us to be prudent, to、uh, do things in the right time, to take chance, to take opportunity, to not let time go. Then He went on. To tell us that、uh, today all mammon is unrighteous. Most Christians do not know why money is unrighteous. Listen, money is not in the realm of God. Money is something outside of the kingdom of God. It is in the world of、uh, Satan. So it is unrighteous. In its position and existence, the Lord teaches us, His believers, to exercise our prudence in the use of the unrighteous mammon. Then He goes on to tell us, mammon is competing with God. No one can serve two lords, either God or mammon, mammon or God. This is quite serious. Bob, uh, a few points uh, kind of jumped out this time,、uh, hearing him present the parable again.、Uh, the matter of time, the steward was、uh, part of the thing that brought the master's praise was his wisdom or his prudence in managing the time and and、uh, the time factor. I'd like you to spend a minute to develop that, and also this point about how money really is not of God's kingdom at all, is it? That's right, Chris. Actually, the Lord. As Witness Lee said, the Lord did not praise this steward because he acted unrighteously, but because he seized the opportunity that was at hand. He had only a short time to remain in his stewardship before he would be fired. Right. So he acted prudently in that he used the chance or the opportunity that was remaining, so that he could do something with money to benefit others. And then these others later on would benefit him. This was his prudence, and this was praised by the master. And the lesson here for us is that we should be prudent in the use of our money. And then we'll see more about that, I think, later on in the program. But here, the Lord said we should make friends with the mammon of unrighteousness. Yes. Here, the Lord says clearly that mammon or money is unrighteous. This is something very important for us to know as believers in Christ. Money is not a righteous thing. It is something that is outside of God's kingdom. It was not invented by God. It is part of the satanic world, and it is part of the system of Satan. Satan invented money so that by using money and making all things in the material realm equal to money. Then Satan gains man's service.、Mm. Man serves money and doesn't serve God. So here you can see money is competing against God, as Witness Lee pointed out. It's a rival of God. Surely it cannot be something of God, and it cannot be righteous 
in its position. It is unrighteous in its position and in its existence. Money should not even exist. Isn't this something? It is. We treasure that money. When we have it, we feel we have something valuable. Actually, we have something unrighteous. It shouldn't be here. And one day it won't be here. In the kingdom age, money will no longer exist. God will remove it when he brings in his kingdom. Bob, you said something that struck a note. This matter of money, you said uh, it becomes a rival to God so that we serve money instead of God, and actually we serve it in the way of slavery. We become slaves to it. And uh, that is something that was being very much addressed, the whole matter of slavery and captivity in the Gospel of Luke as the Jubilee, which releases all captivity, all slavery, and restores the enjoyment of God as our rightful portion. Uh, So the Lord was speaking, as we'll hear in this coming section, to the Pharisees who appeared to be lovers of God, but in fact were lovers of mammon, were lovers of money. So the point becomes all the more uh, striking, doesn't it? It sure does, Chris. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Don't forget, this word was directed to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were lovers of money. They pretended that they loved God, that they were for God. Actually, the Lord knew quite well they were not. And that was the reason why the Lord was on the way to Jerusalem all the time. He was addressing his word to the Pharisees. His talk was always based upon the jubilee he declared in chapter 4. At the present time, it is jubilee of grace, and in the coming time, it is jubilee of the kingdom. But listen, regardless, the jubilee in this age or the jubilee in the age to come, jubilee is actually the kingdom of God. And you all have to realize the kingdom of God is just the man's savior. Jubilee is the gospel. And the gospel, according to Mark and Luke, is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the savior himself coming with all the divine attributes expressed in all the human virtues to sow himself as the seed of the kingdom of God to free us from all bondages and to recover our divine inheritance. The basic element is the jubilee and the governing principle is also the jubilee. All the way you could see the jubilee. If you don't have such a thing as the key You couldn't understand these chapters. You have to use this key to open every chapter. Then you can have a picture in full. Uh, Bob, even as you and I have been enjoying this and fellowshipping uh, while we're listening to it, I think it's becoming more clear. The Jubilee has, uh, just to review a little bit for our listeners who maybe haven't been with us through the entire life study of Luke, has these two main components. It frees us from slavery, from bondage, and returns us to our real enjoyment, our real portion of enjoyment, which is to enjoy God himself. And money, 
and the love of money really stand in stark opposition to both of these things, don't they? That's right, Chris. If we love money the way the Pharisees did, then we will lose the enjoyment of the Jubilee. We will become slaves of Satan through money, and we will lose the enjoyment of God as our inheritance. This is just a clear reality. If we love money, we lose the Jubilee. Here, Brother Lee said something very interesting. He said the Jubilee is the man's savior who came to sow himself as the seed of the kingdom into our inner being. And then from within us, he grows up to be the kingdom of God and to bring us fully into God's kingdom, to bring us into the full enjoyment of the Jubilee. It's Christ as the seed sown into our inner being and growing within us that releases us from bondage and that brings us into the full enjoyment of God as our inheritance. And money is a rival of God. Money robs us of the enjoyment of the Jubilee. Here I'd like to say that it's not evil to have money, but it's evil to love money. Uh It's the love of money that robs us. If our heart is for money, loving money, and loving even the things that money can gain for us, then we will lose the enjoyment of the New Testament jubilee. Through the ages, many who have had money have used it wisely and prudently for the Lord's interests and have gained with it a great reward, no doubt. I think we'll touch a little bit of that as we get to this last section. I'd like to set this last portion up by coming back to our passage today in chapter 16 and looking at a few more verses. At verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in the least is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in the least is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have not become faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you what is true? And if you have not become faithful in that which belongs to another, who will give to you that which is your own? No household servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That says it much better than we were trying to a while ago, doesn't it, Bob? It says it perfectly. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Salvation always issues in the stewardship. According to this chapter, the stewardship is just to handle the matter of money. Handling money is a big thing. I tell you, money is a big thing. You take away all the banks, all the money... There's no world. Surely that will be the kingdom of God. <laughs> right? When money is gone, the kingdom comes. Right? When money is here, the kingdom is gone. So surely the Lord knows the deep secret in the depths of our being. Don't think you are not a today Pharisee. We all are. So the Lord said, <laughs> Be prudent in handling your money because today's world is the system of Satan. Money belongs to the satanic system. But when the millennium comes, the satanic system will be terminated and will be replaced by God's reign. Then money has no more place 
among human society. So you must do things prudently in using your money. When the Lord Jesus comes back, we all will be received into his kingdom. At that time, I tell you, some among you will have a number of welcomers there. They will be the persons who have been benefited by you in this age. Now, while we are still on the way, money is still useful, we better use it. Not for ourselves, for our luxury, for our amusement, but use some of your money for others' benefit. This is to be prudent in serving the Lord. Uh, Bob, now we come back to the time element that we touched earlier on. Uh, there still is time left in this age, isn't there, to use whatever money the Lord brings into our sphere in a way that will benefit others. I think this view is marvelous, Chris. The Lord said definitely here that one day money will fail. That means we will have no more opportunity to use it prudently. When we die, we know money will be of no use to us. That's right. We will leave this world with no money. And uh, when the Lord comes to bring in the kingdom, there will be no money in the kingdom of God. So now that we have some of it, unrighteous though it may be, we should be prudent and use it prudently to benefit others, mainly spending our money to spread the gospel, to nourish new believers, and to help others to know Christ, to experience Christ, to enjoy Christ, to grow in Christ, to enjoy the Jubilee with us, right? Right. We should use our money in this way. And I would like to point out one more thing that the Lord said. He said, if we cannot be faithful in that which belongs to another, who will give to us that which is our own? What does this mean? This means that all the money that we have, which God allows us to have, is not ours. All the material things in this world belong to God. God allows us to have some of them in our possession during our lifetime so that we can learn to be prudent stewards and use these material things that God gives us for the benefit of others according to God's economy. Then, when we enter into the kingdom in the millennium, those who have benefited from our prudent use of our money will welcome us into the eternal tabernacles. This is what the Lord has said to us clearly in his word to motivate us today to seize the opportunity. Don't waste time. Use your money for others' benefit according to God's leading. Not according to our preference, but according to the Lord's leading. We use our money to benefit others for God's kingdom, for the New Testament jubilee. Uh, In one of Watchman Nee's writings, I can't recall which one, he said, if the Lord gains our money and our time, he has gained us. I think uh, this is the lesson of the prudent steward, Bob. I agree, Chris. Thank you for your fellowship. Uh, We touched a a hard-to-handle or a a hard-to-understand seemingly uh, portion, but the Lord, I think, uh, was glorified and uh, his light shone a little bit, and I think we all feel a little bit clearer about this passage of the Word in the Gospel of Luke. I certainly do. (laughs) 
So do I. Well, we would uh, leave our listeners with an invitation to contact us about the printed Life Study messages. All of these are just treasures. And as we now get further into the Life Study of Luke, the second half, really, in terms of the total number of messages we'll cover, the Jubilee becomes more and more striking and opened in a clearer and clearer way. I really hope that you'll uh, take the time to contact us about getting the printed messages and study these uh, at your own pace and get into the verses and the portions. It will benefit you greatly. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to find out about how you can receive these uh, messages, one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. And for Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.